Hello and welcome to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. This is the show where we talk about all things transportation, anything that gets you from here to there. I am the traffic anchor and the transportation reporter for Denver 7 News, Jason Lubert. If you would like to be a part of this fine program, you can always give me a call on the listener hotline at 303-832-0217. I received a call the other day, and it was unintelligible. Uh, so that's not the kind of call I want to get at the listener hotline. I want to be able to know what you're actually saying. So please uh, make sure you speak fluently. Uh, coming up on the show today, an interesting interview about a new parking program in the college town of Fort Collins, Colorado, home of Colorado State University. Now, what they are changing is they're allowing people to leave their cars parked on downtown streets overnight if, let's say, they've been drinking or using drugs or, you know, especially marijuana, it's legal in Colorado, so uh, they don't want people driving under any influence of anything and or, or impaired with anything, and they, and they want to wait until the person is sober uh, the next morning. So the city hopes that this idea of letting people just leave their car on these city streets, because usually in most metropolitan areas, and I know Fort Collins is small, you will see no overnight parking, usually between 2 and 6 a.m. Uh, that's just to keep the clear uh, streets clear. They could do some street sweeping or whatever, but make sure that people just aren't parking in downtown areas all the time and allowing those spaces to uh, become open again. Well, the city hopes that uh, this will take one of those reasons away that someone might decide to drive impaired. And, and I have some questions about how it exactly works, whether... They have seen it work in other places and just now trying it there in Fort Collins. Uh, and so uh, it, it, I think it'll be an interesting conversation, and that will come up here in just, uh, just a minute or two. Uh, but maybe you've seen this where you live. Uh, another college town, the city of Boulder here in Colorado, just concluded a contest asking uh, for names of their 10 new snowplows. <laughs> because I am a man of the people, I now present to you with the winning names, in no particular order, that were, that, that were selected from more than all entries submitted by a group of elementary school students in Boulder to name the new city snowplows. Number one, Snow What? <laughs> That's good. Katie. Now, I had no idea what Katie meant until I had to look it up. And apparently it's from the children's book called Katie and the Big Snowplow. I have not read it. I'm not familiar with it, but obviously it fits if you have a book called Katie and the Snowplow, the big snowplow, and you name the snowplow Katie, I can see why elementary kids picked that name. All right, back to the other names. Snow Cachino. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, Snow Buffett, a Star Wars reference. A Flurry. <laughs> That's not bad. Uh, Frostosaurus. Uh, that, that could be one of my favorites. I like Frostosaurus. Uh, Snow Monster. All right. Winter Wonder. Eh. Grateful Sled. <laughs> See, now that makes perfect sense up in Boulder to have Grateful Sled. <laughs> and the final name for the city of Boulder's new snowplow, Plow Arena. Yay! <laughs> I like Plow Arena. That's pretty good. Uh, as an added bonus for all of those kids, the winners were invited to take a photo with the snowplow that they named. Uh, I think it would look pretty cool framed in your bedroom, right? I mean, why why, why have a, a picture of, uh, you know, your favorite music group 
um, whatever, what, you know, Taylor Swift on your wall, when you could have a framed photo of you and your snowplow right there in your bedroom. Uh, look, <laughs> I, I'm all in for any program that can help discourage drinking and driving or any kind of driving while under the influence, whether it be alcohol or narcotics or anything else. And uh, up in northern Colorado, there's this college town, Fort Collins, and their parking services department is trying something that they hope will remove one concern for people who park downtown and might be out drinking. Well, what is it, and how will it keep impaired drivers off the roads? My special guest here to explain all about it is the parking services manager for the city of Fort Collins, Eric Kesselberg. Eric, thanks for joining me here on the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. Hey, thanks, Jason. I appreciate it so much, and this is a a program I'm excited to talk about, so thanks for for taking the time to discuss it with me. Yes, of course. And Eric, I want to talk about this parking program and about some other issues if, of parking and related questions I've been saving up for some time. But before we get into all of that, I want to know about your enthusiastic and exuberance for Legos, and especially for action figure Legos. I mean, you've built some impressive structures. What's the most challenging and most fun one you've built? You know about my Lego, uh, uh, my Lego passion. Well, yeah, I I do like Lego, and I do love Ninjago. I do have quite a, a, a lofty Ninjago district in my home office, as I call it. It is a, uh, it is my sanctuary. <laughs> <laughs> it is my it is my escape. <laughs> yeah, you have a lot of kits, but do you also make your own creations like they do on Lego Masters? I, I do. I do a lot of my own creations or mocks, as they call them. And I, I do watch Lego Masters, and they are phenomenal builders. And they build a lot faster than I do. When I look at the timeline of 10 hours to do a build, do you think that is a lot? But it'll take me significantly longer than that just to make a new platform for my Ninjago district because I, I, I do like to add the detail as I go. Um, but, yeah, so I, I, do like, I do like Lego Masters, and they, they are a little bit uh, faster. Uh, builders than I am for sure. Do, do you let any, anybody touch them, or do you just display them and, <laughs> and just let people look from a distance? No, I do. I do invite friends uh, or their kids to come do tours, and I'd like to keep a handful of small sets or poly bags to give out just in, just as a as a appreciation to bring more folks uh, into the Lego world. That's uh, yeah. So I let I let folks come, uh, and I do a lot of cleanup once they leave. Well, you know, uh, the my my co-hosts uh, that I, I do uh, traffic well traffic and weather together with Lisa Hidalgo, who I work with every single day. Mm -hmm. She is also a, a Lego fanatic, and she says that it's not the most inexpensive hobby in the world. And looking no. at your page there on Instagram, you must be spending all of your free money on, on Legos. I would say all of my free money and then maybe and then some, depending depending on what sets are released and what time of year. So I know uh, January has a uh, quite a new uh, few new sets coming out, and I'm already trying to strategize budget to to get the ones I want. Well, it's pretty amazing. I'm going to put your link to your Instagram page with all the pictures of your Lego creations and all of the characters that you have like it. out in the snow and all those things. It's, it's really, it's really neat. So if anybody wants I to see it. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, of course. If, if anybody wants to see it, you just go to the description in the show and you'll see his uh, Instagram link right there. All right. So let's move on as I'm speaking with Eric yeah. Kesselberg, parking services manager for the city of Fort Collins. We'll move on to what you do for a day job, parking. Yeah. <laughs> it, that is my, parking is my second passion. And, and when I say that, I mean, there's a, not a lot of folks that think when their little kids are going to go in the world of the parking mobility industry, but but when you land here, you're you're 
you're ingrained in it and you're a little bit passionate once it goes from your head to your heart as, as far as the purpose and intent of why we exist. Yeah, that's great. Uh, well, Fort Collins, your city there, it started this new safe choice program and Correct. it's designed to help discourage drinking and driving in downtown Fort Collins. So let's start with this. How did this idea for the program first come about? Well, the interesting thing, Jason, is we had an informal program for Gears, of course, for a college uh, community. And we had an informal program that was kind of word of mouth, and some folks knew that if they called our office, that we would uh, put their plate or as much information as we could get uh, into our system just to help not worry about um, having to drink and drive uh, in lieu of getting a parking ticket. Um, so what we did in the last, um, well, this 2022 is we formalized that that process. We had uh, partners for youth reached out with some questions about how we could uh, support, you know, the the safe driving home after a night of, of entertainment in our downtown district. So we took that and um, and ran with it essentially, and we got with a lot of different city departments, started talking about what some options were, what some alternative use to get downtown, and also when they get here, if they uh, make a decision to um, enjoy too many libations, that they wouldn't make a poor decision to drive home. So we we formalized an informal process that has been in existence since uh, at least I started the city in June of 2008. Um, so this this is a formalized process of a of a of a word of mouth um, loosely formatted process o- over the years. So we're super excited about it, and now we have more information to share. We, of course, we have new alternative modes of transportation that people can take use of. So we want to encourage pre-planning so that you don't come down here and make um, a poor decision or have to um, leave your vehicle. But if you do, we want to give some options so you don't worry about getting a, a parking ticket specifically to the time-regulated parking spaces. And we do have some long-term parking options. We have some um, periphery of downtown untimed parking spaces. So much information as we can to help folks make good decisions after a night of enjoyment, then that's what we want to do. And and exactly how does the program work? If I'm going to be enjoying some time at a restaurant or a bar down in Fort Collins, I park Mm -hmm. my car downtown. And at that point, what is the program all about? Well, we do have QR codes. We put 47 signs uh, downtown that have safe choice with a QR code that takes you to a link and it gives you some safe choice options such as transportation, you know, some we have a CSU RAM ride, uh, no, and we partner with or we had some discussions with no DUI Larimer County. But we also put on, on that same link a place for you to put your license plate and your vehicle in. So that way we know what vehicle is there. So we can just put a field note in for the park enforcement officers that they know that this person is um, participating in the safe choice ride option, or they can just call our office directly with the same information. We get um, historically phone calls, but we open it up to the, just go ahead and email us and we get prompted um, the next morning when we come to the office. And, and what, it's super simple. And yep. What was the previous parking policy in downtown Fort Collins? Just parked for a certain time and then you would have to move your vehicle? Well, that that is how it works. Are you talking about as far as the historic um, in informal process was uh, folks understood our, our parking office. We, we want to be, our parking enforcement officers um, are trying to be ambassadors first. So we, we do try to engage with the, the community as much as we can as we're enforcing Right, but for the people code. that didn't know about the informal policy, if I was just a visitor to oh, Fort yeah, Collins yeah, and I'd show up and i park downtown. 
Yeah, so we would have, um, we do time-regulated enforcement in the downtown area, so you have two hours before you have to move your vehicle. So if your vehicle was still at that same location, you would you would receive a parking citation. Um, and again, I, I do want to stress that this program is specific to those time-restricted, not necessarily illegal parking or any, like, permitted parking lots. So um, we do try to explain that. So the time limitation, so if you park in the core of downtown, most of it is time restricted. So this just allows you to stay longer than that that initial two-hour um, time block would allow. Are there specific designated parking areas that you, the folks would have to be in to uh, use this program? Well, yeah. And, and again, it goes to the time restricted only. Um, so most of our core has two-hour parking. There's some also some short-term, like one-hour, 15-minute spaces. So any time-restricted parking, if you park there and you um, opt to leave your vehicle overnight in lieu of making a poor decision, then then we would not count that vehicle as a time time regulation and issued a citation. So there are some permit lots that would not be in that same allowance only because we have um, you know designated or specific paid parking for the permit users and we have limited um, parking spaces. Um, and then also around the periphery, there's some non-timed parking that is is free all the time uh, up to, of course, that 48 hours when you have to move your vehicle. So um, this is this is really specifically to the core, which is really the, the closest and the most convenient to where a lot of the, the nightlife happens. But then also we do have three parking structures um, with about 1,400 stalls that if they parked there, they would be able to use the uh, mobile app and just initiate their session. So it's it's super cheap too to park on our on our downtown parking structures. It's a dollar an hour with the first hour free. So if they they do that from the app, but they wake up and they realize they parked in the structure and they um, don't want to um, receive a parking citation for not paying or initiating a session, they could also just use the park mobile app and initiate the session from anywhere. And that way they would be covered in that one. So the the safe choice is specifically to the time parking, but we want to make sure we provide as much information about options as we can too. My guest is Eric Kesselberg. He's the parking services manager for the city of Fort Collins talking about safe choice program that they have. We'll also be talking about some other parking issues in just a minute. If, If you are too intoxicated, let's say to drive, you also might be too intoxicated to call or text to remember where you parked or why you parked there in the first place and if you can leave your car there at one of those timed areas. So when would you need to call uh, the parking services people? What, I mean, what, what, while you're drinking, before you're drinking, at the end when you're already hammered? We, we do get some lively phone messages from the, uh, 2 a.m. callers when they're making the right decision, and, and uh, we use that as much information as we can, of course, without a full license plate or a vehicle description. Um, there's little we, we can do to actually help them. So if, if you can call our office by 10 a.m. the next morning, of course, we have a two-hour um, time limit in a lot of the parking, so our staff starts, so it's between 8 a.m. and 6 p.m. So the first rotation of that two hour would be 10 a.m. So as long as you call our office or notify our office via the link on the QR code, then we would have your plate entered before that two hours expires, and then we would give you time to get your vehicle. Uh, so if the owner doesn't contact the city, let's say they, they're so you know bombed or, or whatever, or they're distracted yeah. or, or involved in something else, if they really don't call the city that night uh, because plans change, as you know, th- then yep. you just call them, you call you, you guys that morning and, and everything would be okay. 
Correct. Yep. As long as they call us by ten a.m. Once that citation is issued, we have we have little control over over that process. Um, so as long as they call by that ten a.m. period, then we'll work with them about when they can re- retrieve their car. Does a person have to prove they were out drinking to be able to park overnight? No, no. We we. <laughs> I don't know what that would look like, That's but that would. Right. I have a right. lot of scenarios going through my head. <laughs> uh, do you think that this program might encourage heavier drinking or more partying if you don't have to worry about the time of your car and moving it? That you're going out and having a good time and you don't have to worry about your car. You know, I certainly hope it doesn't uh, encourage more drinking, but I, I certainly hope it does encourage people to enjoy our downtown. Um, downtown area it's so it's so lively between the daytime activities the dinner crowd and of course uh, the bar patrons later at night we do have a, a very vibrant downtown so it, it, not to encourage more drinking but to encourage people to come and enjoy it um we we take great pride in our downtown area what is the parking fee to park overnight so let's say i'm going to go out for dinner at six o'clock and i'm going to park in one of these spaces uh, and then I'm going to stay at the restaurant, and then it just turns into a, being a late night because some friends show up. So let's say I park at 6 o'clock at night. Uh, what is the parking charge for uh, how many hours? And then uh, what does the parking uh, fee, time frame, and all that stuff look like up to 10 a.m. in the morning? So on, on street, our time-regulated parking stops at 6 p.m. So you can park on street uh, free. It's always free on street um, and as long as you move your vehicle. So we're talking about not receiving a parking citation by staying too late the next day. If you park in one of our parking structures, it will be a dollar an hour with the first hour free. And then also, again, if you go to the periphery, there's no time regulations uh, at all. So, um, of course, the most close convenient parking has a little bit more um, regulations around it. But there, there are some options, and our on-street parking is still still free. Okay, so it lets so it really prevents uh, any citation after ten a.m. Or do I have to Correct. move my I have to move my car by ten or after noon or or when would I have to move? What's the late latest I can move my car? If you if you moved your vehicle by ten a.m., you wouldn't have to notify us at all. If you were going to stay or not be able to retrieve your vehicle until after ten a.m., that's when we would need that phone call just so that we can uh, put that field note for the uh, park enforcement officers to know that that vehicle is participating in this program. Right. So if you're going to stay longer than that two hours, um, that's when we would need that information. Okay. And then let's say I could move my car at one or two in the afternoon, then that's that, that would allow me that extra time there to have my car parked, not worry about it, uh, wake up, stumble to breakfast, and then go grab my car in downtown Fort Collins. Correct. And, and we, we know that some late nights uh, of, of enjoyment may make her over to the morning. So uh, if we don't want to put a, a hard timeline at 10 a.m. because we don't want impaired drivers to come uh, in the morning. So if they're not ready to move their car, we want to be able to work with them. Of course, we don't want um, folks to take advantage of it and just not pick their car up till the next day or, or, or let us know they're enjoying libations, you know, three consecutive days in a row. So there's, there's some stuff we're monitoring or, or watching to see if the program is abused, but we also don't want to uh, put some strict timelines around it just because we want to work with the folks that, um, that are making the right decision. Basically, Eric, you're talking about the walk of shame. <laughs> essentially yeah right, essentially okay. or, or the walk of, of fun enjoyment shame, right. Right? <laughs> right yeah back to your car uh have you seen this from other towns especially maybe other college towns have you seen this program uh enacted and and how has it worked for them 
You know, we, we, we do partner with a lot of different municipalities um, along the Front Range, and th- we have not um, heard of this program, and I'm not saying there, that doesn't exist in other communities, uh, formally or informally. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, hopefully, we're the trendsetters from other, specifically college towns, to, to make, this, make this move to, to help you know, ease, ease concern of, of people enjoying it. But we, yeah, we have not um, sought or heard of un, uh, any formal pro- programs. Hopefully we're, the, hopefully we're the benchmark for them. If somebody got a parking ticket, does that money go to the police department? Does it go to the city of Fort Collins? And would the revenue then just be missed or you don't care about the revenue at all? Oh, to run an operation, I'm going to say I, I do not care about the revenue, but I think if we look at the the broader scope of what this program is for, I think um, people making the right decision is, is worth that, that potential monetary penalty. Okay. My guest is Eric Kesselberg. We're talking about uh, parking, their, cl- their safe choice parking program, uh, other parking issues as he's the parking service manager for the city of Fort Collins. Uh, A couple of years ago, you folks up there in Fort Collins experimented with back-in parking. Will you explain what that is and how it is working so far? Yeah, we we did do back-in angle parking on one high um, connector route, like for bicycle use, and it it took a little bit of criteria to make it happen. So we didn't want to put it um, on a, a sidewalk adjacent to the street. So there's a, a parkway strip where we, we placed it. And we also didn't want to put it around um, restaurants. So if someone backed in, you wouldn't want a tailpipe right adjacent to where you're you know, enjoying a, a meal. So we did it on a non-time regulated and really a high daily use by um, staff. Um, and it, it's the intent is to make it safer for uh, bicycles. Uh, so that the vehicle, when they back in to the space, they have a better visibility when they're pulling out of that space. So we you, we have it in one street, and um, I know FC Moses is, was the, the the charge of that program, and we of course assisted with with what that enforcement and and the process looked like. So we are we are looking at what it looks like for other areas, but again, there's some criteria that we have to uh, consider before we just put it elsewhere. But we we had some mixed feelings initially when. We made it happen. Not everyone is comfortable or confident in backing a vehicle into a parking space because you, you're essentially stopping in the lane of traffic um, to back into a parking space. And that's why, again, we chose a, a, a lower volume um, traffic volume street, but a higher uh, bicycle connector street. Yeah, I, I totally see the the safety aspect, especially pulling out from Correct. the space. Yep. but. Like you said, let's say I, I pull in traditionally when you pull into an angled space and you would back out into into the road and then keep going. Presumably, you're going to be doing that when the road is fairly clear uh, and you're so you're not going to hold up traffic. So in, in one instance, you could be holding up traffic, but you're also making it safer for any bicyclists that are on that road at the same time. So you have exactly. to prioritize you know, a little bit of a slowdown for somebody to make a bicycle rider who is obviously in a vulnerable position feel a lot safer. Yep, exactly. And and folks, we have the signs leading into those parking spaces are are almost a diagram of how to safely use those spaces. And we've only 
we only had a few, uh, less than a handful of folks not follow the, the rules and pull nose into that, that parking space when it's designated as back and angle. Yeah, and in Denver, they, they've changed some of the major roads. Like one a perfect example is Broadway out of downtown Denver heading south to Interstate 25. And they've put in a bike lane in there and they've reduced the number of travel lanes. Up in mm-hmm. Fort Collins, I'm not as familiar with some of the roads up there, but as as just maybe a general idea about bike lanes and general through lanes, doesn't it make more sense to have to leave the general through lanes for traffic and let that move and then put the bicyclists on, let's say, a secondary route, more of a neighborhood route that would be safer for them, easier to travel for them? And, uh, and because there are fewer of them than, uh, than, than vehicles, you keep the vehicle traffic flowing and then you separate bikes from, you know, vehicles in, in this instance. And there's there's better areas in, in Fort Collins, uh, to your point, for bicycles to travel to on uh, College Avenue, which is a state highway. We don't have designated bike lanes, but the uh, smaller collector streets uh, adjacent to it, like you know the ones we're, we're mentioning, do have the bicycle um, protected bicycle lanes, the shared bicycle lanes. So we we have a fantastic connected bicycle community in Fort Collins, and. And where and the right way to put those bicycle lanes is considered in any time we're doing some um, revamping or, or overlay of those streets. We just redid uh, a street down just a little bit south of Old Town uh, area, Pickin Avenue, and that they when they resurfaced it, they did a, a, a different um, layout of a bicycle lane, and it, so far it's, it's working real great. It's, it's a shared space with some some parking, but also a designated bike lane. So we we do put that into consideration, and that's again with the FC Moose Department uh, leading the charge of what that looks like, and we work closely with them as we do any any change of of parking management or bicycle uh, connections. Um, yeah, but they they're very forefront of, of what that bicycle community needs are. Yeah, and you would think that in a college town like yours or up in Boulder and other college towns anywhere across the country that you would have a higher number of bike riders being at a college campus and probably more now of these electric scooters where they personally have these personal electric scooters all over the place. I saw them at a couple of different campuses uh, this summer where the kids are just using those all over the place. Yeah, we have we have electric scooter program here and also electric bicycles. And if you've never ridden an electric assist bicycle, they they are pretty pretty awesome to drive. I've always been a proponent of spaces because it was making me think about your back in parking. I've always been a proponent of spaces that you can just basically pull forward in and out of. So it's a mm-hmm. single space instead of like you would see at any grocery store, big box store, where you're pulling head to head with two spaces right there and you have to back out. Typically, some people back into the space and then pull out forward. But I've always been a proponent of, of spaces, single space that you can pull forward into and then pull out of as well. D- do you think all spaces in, in a general lot maybe should be pull in front only so you can always pull out forward and always see what what's around you? Well, from a from a space management perspective, that that be a bit of a challenge. I have seen some layouts and some diagrams of how they do some staggered parking to get more vehicles with uh, wider drive aisles. Um, but as far as every space, I think that would be a spatial challenge. We're trying to get more uh, parking inventory without getting more um, acreage or <laughs> or right. parking structures. And, but and I do think about uh, our College Avenue and some Mountain Avenue. We have centerline parking, which is almost what you're describing. 
um, when we have a center line, which is a single space, um, where a vehicle does pull in from either north or south or east-west, depending on where road you are, that, that kind of traffic. So you can either back out or pull forward from that space, but that's on only a handful of streets, and that's based on the width of, of what that street is. Yeah, when and this, this goes back to the historic nature of our downtown community. When I, when I become independently wealthy, Eric, I'm going to uh, have a pull-in driveway, and then I can pull out at the same way. Just a loop. But, yeah. But, <laughs> Me too. I probably would do that same thing. <laughs> yeah. My guest is Eric Kesselberg. He's a parking services manager with the city of Fort Collins. Uh, moving on to some general parking questions. In general, do you think on-street city parking is a benefit to its residents or not? Well, absolutely. Public parking uh, is, provides a service to not just the residents, but also uh, our visitors. So we, if we have available on-street parking um, for them to come down and enjoy our downtown or, or the community, not just the Old Town area, but the city of Fort Collins in, in, in general, um, I think it benefits, benefits greatly to what that need is. Now, how do we successfully manage those spaces that make the best use. We don't want to just have sprawls of, of on-street parking that's underutilized, but where's, where's the balance of what those parking spaces are, where they're located, how we manage the, the time or the use of those spaces. But you know, I, 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 from a general community standpoint, um, providing public parking it, it does benefit a whole, a whole lot of folks. Yeah. Yeah, I, I read quite a, a, a few blogs uh, on different topics all, all the time, and, and I see this idea, this theory put out there about parking and about cities that they should not allow people, whether they're residents or visitors, any street parking. They're saying it's subsidized parking, that residents shouldn't be allowed to do that, and that that space that should then be either used for uh, either bikes or just walking I think they're getting to the point where they don't like cars anyway. So the first war, the first way to get to that end is to eliminate parking. Yeah. And and to that point we, we want to encourage some multimodal use. We don't want a single occupancy vehicle to come downtown where there's some other options. And if you look at um, our current model, we have so many different options now, Um, you know, between ride share, public transportation, you know, that, as we mentioned, those scooters, that first and last mile use, so if you, if you talk about our, our parking spaces, um, just the infill and, and development around the downtown area, we're not losing parking spaces, but we're, we're essentially losing a percentage of parking spaces because just the number of folks coming to our downtown area or living around or visiting. So how do we encourage to not add more spaces, but to encourage some other alternative transportation options. And then if you, that's when we're talking or getting into the travel demand management or TDM. And that's another uh, program that the uh, Fort Collins uh, FC Moves Department is, is formalizing or developing, and it's branded as Shift Your Ride. So that's something that the city is currently in discussions of. And that's really to, you know, hit the, or, uh, hit the city's ambitious goals, including climate action plan, you know, um, and how do we how do we encourage alternative use of of folks to come visit our downtown without necessarily driving a single occupancy vehicle? And, you know, I've been reading also a lot about, because um, I like to study these, uh, you know, parking and, and driving and, and driving habits. And I've been reading that the next war on cars is going to be parking where the same people that I just mentioned would like to say mm-hmm. parking rates astronomically high to the point that people basically can't pay it and therefore 
can't drive or won't drive into a downtown area, well, let's say even bigger than Fort Collins, let's say a downtown yep. Denver or Nashville or Atlanta, what, what, whatever, you know, a major metropolitan city. And it, it seems one-sided to me without considering the needs of people who can't walk uh, and, and might need a vehicle wherever they live. But that seems like that's what their ultimate goal is to get these metropolitan areas car free. And it starts by not allowing any car, any cars to be parked down there. Yeah. And Fort Collins is still, is still a place that we want folks to come visit and how we get there is what we're trying to, to better manage. So we don't want everyone to drive a single occupancy vehicle. We couldn't, we couldn't house every vehicle that way. Um, if they did come downtown, we have, uh, for public parking where we have about 3000, um, marked spaces in the downtown, as we define it, core, and we have about 1,500 um, parking structure spaces and then some on-street or, excuse me, some uh, uh, service lot spaces. So our, our capacity for public parking in the downtown core it, it isn't necessarily robust. We do have a limited inventory. So how do we manage not only the single occupancy or the, the vehicle driving, but also um, encourage some, some alternative use, you know, public transportation or otherwise? So it, the, some of there's a balance, and um, that's what that's what we're trying to trying to help sort out, so we can have, make sure everyone can enjoy downtown. Could could you see a time where some of the bigger metro areas, rather than the small towns, start to eliminate more roads and driving, and and try to get it to be more of a pedestrian total zone, or or scooters and e-bikes and and uh, just walking. It, it, to say I couldn't see a time, that would be inaccurate. So I do see a time if the infrastructure supports um, supports that shift. What about yeah. – and I was thinking about autonomous cars. I, I was I, I was going – I was going to go there too, Jason. That's yeah. funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah because <laughs> eventually – and I think autonomy is, is way farther down the road than Elon Musk thinks. But it's it, it, it could be happening, let's say, in the next 50 years. We have – uh, you know, Ubers driving around that are just just driving around, waiting to pick somebody up and then drop somebody off, and they could almost be circling around. So the, yep. the need and the change of the parking infrastructure we have now could be totally uh, different than than what we you know in the next twenty five, thirty five, fifty years. Yeah, and, and you're not you're not wrong on, on what you're saying because even in the parking industry, we're talking now about autonomous vehicles and what that looks like. So if we have an autonomous vehicle drive me from my home to work. Where does that vehicle go? Do we restripe parking structures because you won't have a need to have that buffer between them because no one's getting into and out of? What we, well, well, the other piece of, of this topic is, are they going to be parading around town? Are they going to just be driving around a neighborhood, which is not ideal either, or are they going to drive all the way back home, which is not a, a really effective or efficient use of that vehicle? So is an autonomous vehicle more like a ride share that I just hail a uh, autonomous vehicle so I can use it as I need it. And, and would that alleviate the need for a vehicle? So this is a lot of the conversations we're having now, even though we're not there, but we're, we're trying to plan for what that looks like because um, most of the industry knows that eventually they're coming. We just don't know when. It almost seems like you would need a hub for these vehicles to kind of hang out and wait, almost like you have a big box store with that huge parking lot. Part of it's used for the people that are going into the retail store and, and doing what they do. And maybe part of the uh, uh, lot is then used as a hub for these autonomous cars to then be hailed and, and not to be too far away from where their customer base is. Yeah, and talking about mobility hubs, that's another topic too uh, of how do we provide like a Uber or a rideshare um, 
you know, Lyft, Uber, Rideshare, that kind of uh, drop-off point at a mobility hub so that people can use public transportation. So we have EV charging stations. So we have the first and last mile scooter or e-bikes. So the, the transit center, as you will, is just a, a bus station. Um, we're also looking at how do we, how do we future what that, that, that hub looks like for mobility. And th- there's a lot of different pieces that go into um, transportation, not just, not just vehicles, not just, not just bus routes. So there's, there's lots of discussions around mobility hubs as well. And, and then when you start, let's say we get to that point in 50 years, you would have a downtown street, let's say that we don't have or don't need as many parking spots, that you can start to maybe reclaim some of that space and make it into wider uh, uh, sidewalks and have restaurants spill out into the sidewalks like we've seen over the pandemic. Yeah, and, and that's a that's a good point too because over the pandemic we did use a lot of the on street spaces for like outdoor dining when we were let the inside meet the outside and we we gave up some inventory uh, and we formalized that process as well and then also our new Linden um, Street that recently wrapped up it went from diagonal parking to um, parallel parking and, and also extended those sidewalks and also to act as a convertible street as an extension of the downtown square. So we are we are looking at a lot of some longer term options as far as what parklets or the outdoor dining and then also the the inside outside meeting as far as um, capacity needs for businesses, restaurants, retail business, otherwise. Yep. So that, that we're we're in alignment with everything everything that you're talking about. Yeah, I think it's pretty interesting uh, how this transformation is going to happen over time. There's so many buildings now in downtown Denver that have been built up uh, with the parking decks below and then residential uh, areas up top. Uh, that uh, and, and some people are crying, well, why, you, why, why don't you allow the, you know, just people make it, don't, don't make them drive, just put in maybe a couple of spaces for the businesses and then, and then let it all be for, uh, for residents there. But there's still going to be yeah. the need for people to have some kind of a vehicle to get to somewhere. Yep. Yeah. And, and talking about parking structures and the futuring of parking structures, a lot of them, of course, are prefabricated parking structures that come in, but they're more designed to how do we convert them if we no longer have a parking need, but we don't have this assets just sitting. So how do we convert them to a retail or, or you know, other purpose of, of that spacing? So that's, that's some discussions, too, about how parking structures are, are designed versus, you know, of old, of, of the 80s and 90s. So how do we, how do we make better use of future-proofing um, that parking parking structure use. Yeah, it's all going to be interesting to see how this develops over the next, what, 5, 10, 15 years. If somebody wanted to get some more information about the uh, Safe Choice program or other parking issues there in Fort Collins, how can they contact you guys? Yeah, you bet. So it's on our website. So it's fcgov.com, as in Fort Collins government, fcgov.com forward slash parking forward slash safe choice. Or they can call our parking services office directly at uh, 970-221-6617. So fcgov.com forward slash parking forward slash safe choice or 970-221-6617. Awesome. I will put the link uh, for that email or for that uh, website in the description of the show as well as your Instagram page so people can see <laughs> your amazing Lego My two collection. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Eric Kesselberg, Parking Services Manager for the City of Fort Collins. Thanks so much for being here and all the information. It was really interesting. You bet, Jason. I appreciate the time. Well, it makes sense well, what Eric was talking about with land use for parking in, in uh, and, and using single spaces. I, I think in big box stores, 
where there are oversized parking lots. They could try to lay out maybe even a portion of it to allow just forward in parking spaces. I really think it's a better option, a safer option, especially in parking lots because you're driving backwards and running people over as they're pushing their little shopping carts uh, down the uh, down, <laughs> down the way. Uh, I also think it'd, it'd be the next extension, though, of the war on cars in major downtown areas, this parking issue. If you can't park your car, then you can't really drive your car to those places where you can't park, right? Makes total sense. So I think their thinking is, the people who hate cars and want a war on cars, if you can't park there, you're not going to drive there, and therefore uh, you're going to have to use public transportation or some other way, walking or, or using a scooter or a bike, whatever, to get to that place that you would have parked, let's say out in front of your business or in at, at your office, if that's where you work. So if you can't drive, or you have to drive to a certain point, a train station, a bus station, whatever, and then you take that the last mile to your office, especially if you're living in a urban congested area. I, I can see that that's gonna be a major push. I think in the next five, 10 years, uh, uh, the war on parking, and, and you'll see it come to fruition. I guess we'll all wait to see if it comes to fruition. Anyway, thanks again for listening. Thanks for being here. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can always drop me a line. All the contact information is in the description of this show. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Jason Looper, the Traffic Guy. Be safe, and as always, happy motoring.